0: After several surgeries on my feet and a run-in with an axe in the canadian Arctic, my ankles are a mess one scar dark and skin puckered gets referred to irreverently but not inappropriately in our home as the cat's asshole another as frankenstein having been opened a couple times to add change and remove some of the hardware in there that hardware in x-rays looks like the junk left over in an ikea box When you've just built a chair and you're pretty sure you're not meant to have six screws, three nuts, and a washer left over, but there it is all the same and you might need it one day, so it joins the others in a drawer against the inevitable day when you're two screws and a washer short. We call the scar Frankenstein because it's been sewn up so many times, the stitch lines just kind of gave up trying to hide themselves. My name is David Dushman and this is A Beautiful Anarchy, a mostly weekly podcast about the creative life. What's it got to do with my scars? Let's talk about it. The third of four scars on my ankles is a big L-shaped line that somehow just never got a name. All three of them are the ugly leftovers from a fall I took in Italy nine years ago. The fourth came when an axe glanced off a piece of wood I was chopping, and though it felt like I'd been half-heartedly hit with a baseball bat, That axe cut through my pants, my boot, and deep into my ankle, which set us to striking camp around midnight and heading down the Yukon's forbidding Dempster Highway, dodging potholes that could swallow a moose, while keeping an eye open for those same moose. We drove into Dawson City, which despite the name is barely a town, and it has no hospital. It does have a nurse, if you can find her, which we did after going to the police station, which was very dark and very closed. But had a phone on the wall outside to call Whitehorse, which is over an hour away, in hopes they might send someone, which they eventually did and sewed me up at three in the morning and sent me on my way. Like I said, my ankles are a mess. But there are other scars too. I've got a crescent moon on my right thumb put there with a Swiss Army knife when I was about eight years old on a camping trip in Nova Scotia. I've got a similar-shaped scar above one of my eyes, though I can never remember which one because when I look in the mirror, left becomes right and vice versa, and apparently it's just easier to go look in the mirror than to remember these things. I got that one when I was roped into being a referee at a hockey game and had to borrow a pair of ice skates that hadn't been sharpened since, well, probably since the game was invented, And at the opening face-off, I dropped the puck, and to the amazement of the crowd, and to be honest, to me as well, I then did a complete front flip as my skates shot out from under me, and I cunningly stopped my forward momentum with my face. So that's where that one came from. It keeps company with the others and the three small scars that testify to my gallbladder's departure, and the one from a hernia repair, and the ones on my knees from learning to ride a bike. Oddly, there are a couple I look at, and for the life of me, I can't remember where they came from. This inventory of scars is a little like an evidence locker in one of those cop shows, though they testify to different things. Some of them are incontrovertible proof of my own stupidity. Some are a witness to my inability to grasp basic physics like the law of gravity, and some to the fact that my body, too, is subject to the same kind of wear and tear as the rest of creation. Those are the scars you can see, There are many more scars under the surface. They're in my heart and mind, and I'm betting you've got a few yourself. The scars I carry on the inside, the emotional ones wrapped in memories, they don't hurt the way my ankles do when it gets cold and wet out. It's a different kind of hurt, and they ache at the strangest times. They remind me, when I'm least expecting it, of mistakes and losses, failures and betrayals, both those I've suffered and those I have caused. I can tell the difference because most of the time it's the pangs from the latter that hurt more. One of the advantages of getting older is that the pain from the external scars mostly kind of fades. There are still a couple where I've lost some of the sensation and they feel strange when I touch them, but mostly they are like the creases in once bent over pages in any of the books on my bookshelf. They are the dog ears and the chapter markers of a well-loved story that was too large to read in one sitting. At least the ones you can see. The ones on the inside remain sensitive for much longer, but they aren't the bent pages. They are a bigger part of the story. They're a reminder of the twists and turns of the plot and the shitty things authors sometimes do to their characters or allow their characters to do to others or themselves. We're all in our own story, and the best stories have always depended on some pretty hard moments. They're nasty things to live through, but they make us who we are, and I suppose it's better than living a story no one wants to read. A story with nothing to risk, but also nothing to gain. I have never been ashamed of my scars. Perhaps I always bought that line that says, "checks dig scars. I see that jagged, zippered line across my foot, and I hear Indiana Jones telling Marianne, it ain't the years, it's the mileage, baby. The scars don't only testify to my missteps, but to my resilience and to lessons learned. When I was a kid, I had occasion to write lines on the board. I will not run in the halls. I will not run in the halls. I will not run in the halls. Write that a hundred times and you might begin to slow down in the halls, though probably not for long. But these scars are lines written in flesh and most of them only needed writing once. They are reminders of some of the more interesting, if not also painful, lessons and detours in my life, hints to some of the greatest victories, and they are now the source of the best that I have to offer as a writer and a human being, most especially the scars on the inside. These dents and scratches are not something I regret, at least not now that I have lived with them a while and the pain that created them has faded. They remind me that what doesn't kill us only gives us something to blog about, that the last thing I need to worry about when it comes to this body is resale value at the end. They remind me that I am not the good china, only to be used on special occasions. They remind me, too, that things that are well-loved are well-used, and they probably show it. I don't want to get to the end in pristine condition, but rather well-loved and full of stories, and to do that, there's a good chance some of the parts will be hanging by a thread toward the end, which I very much hope is a long way off. I guess what I'm saying is that when we stop seeing our scars, whatever they are, as a thing that was done to us, a reminder only of the pain and the past, and an unfixable scratch on the paint that lowers the value or makes us unsightly, unlovable, or unusable, and we begin to see them instead as qualifications and patina and evidence of a life well-lived and well-learned, we might begin to dip into the great wealth of those experiences and find in them the raw materials for our art, whatever that is. I once read a great line from writer Madeline Langell that said something brilliant to the effect that as we go through life, we all suffer injuries, but that the most grievous harm, far greater than the original hurt, is caused by how we react to them. She was pointing to the tendency to hide our scars, to build walls around the more tender parts, to become self-protective and ashamed, and to retreat away from risk. And in so doing, we begin to shrivel, to become numb, and to atrophy. That is the true damage. I don't know that you have to suffer to be an artist. I suspect that's partly true, but that's not exactly setting the bar very high, is it? I mean, everyone suffers. No one is immune from the bumps and bruises of life. Some of us encounter far more pain and loss than we ever thought we could bear. Some people live enough hard stories to fill a library, and I don't want to romanticize pain and suffering or imply that there's some golden nugget in all of it that makes it easier to bear. But I think it's important we acknowledge it, to be unflinching in our acceptance of it as having happened, as always happening, both to ourselves and to others, and to look it in the eye and refuse to allow it to kill our spirits. And if art is on your mind, if making something larger than your pain and bigger than your scars matters to you, then it doesn't matter whether you have to suffer as an artist. It matters whether you are willing to share it, to use it, and to roll up the sleeves and show your scars rather than hiding them. Because somewhere out there, there are other timid souls freshly wounded and wondering if they will make it through, wondering if this won't just kill them dead on the spot, And they don't have the benefit of hindsight. They can't, right now, in the middle of their doubt and fear, look at the scars that will one day form around this present hurt and see a promise of their own resilience. But they can see yours. They can hear your story and skirt the despair when they're standing at the edge of it. Our scars can be an ugly, bright, and holy hope if we let them be seen. I think the greatest gift of the artist is the generosity of spirit and courage that we so often mistakenly call a willingness to be vulnerable. It is, I think, only a willingness to feel vulnerable, because these scarred places, both inside and out, are not areas of weakness at all, but of strength. These scars and the scars of others willing to quietly show them to the similarly wounded are not signs of our vulnerability but of our resilience. Suffering doesn't make the artist. We all suffer. And it's not the paint or the words or the guitars or the pencils that make the artist either. It's what you do with the scars. Thank you so much for joining me today. If this podcast matters to you in some way, I'd be grateful if you shared it with others. And even though the podcast takes a break every fourth week, there's no reason you shouldn't still get your weekly kick in the creative pants. I'd love to send you On The Make on those fourth weeks, and you can get that by going to abeautifulanarchy.com, scrolling to the bottom, and telling me where to send it. At the same time, I will also send you a copy of my ebook, Escape Your Creative Rut, Five Ways to Get Your Groove Back. And every month, I will draw the name of one subscriber to whom I will send a signed copy of my book, A Beautiful Anarchy. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I'm honored that you would spend your time with me. Until next time. Go make something beautiful.